0: Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve and Rob Schallenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve and Rob are a dynamic father and son duo who are helping transform lives and businesses around the world. Rob is a top-rated global speaker and trainer, best-selling author, former F-16 pilot, Air Force One advanced agent, father of four, and CEO of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Steve is a number one national best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, having started 11 businesses in three different industries, and a highly sought after keynote speaker. He is the father of six children and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Now here is Steve and Rob
1: Schallenberger. All right, well welcome to our Becoming Your Best listeners wherever you are in the world today. We're excited that you joined us and that you're investing in your time and in yourself to hopefully get a little bit better today. I mean, that's the whole idea of good, better, best is how do we get just a little bit better today? So the focus of this podcast is going to be on principle number one of highly successful leaders, the thing that we saw over and over that the best of the best did, and that is being true to character. Now, to get this started, we're going to turn this over to my dad. He's going to share with you some different ideas and stories. And then we're going to wrap it up specifically with some things you can do in your family or with your team to ensure that you've got this character down, not only personally, but throughout your entire organization or family. So let's get rolling on this, Dad. Okay, well, thank you, Rob. And uh, it's a delight to be here today.
2: Not long ago, I read a book that was written by John Huntsman, Sr., Founder and chairman of Huntsman Corp, a very successful international firm. The name of his book was Winners Never Cheat and Cheaters Never Win. (laughs) Well, how true that is. And when you really think about this, what we're talking about is character. That's at the very fundamental. So if you can get your character right, you won't have to worry about cheating. It just won't happen. And so, uh, and one of the things that I've noticed as I did research on what set apart uh, the highly successful, the outstanding organizations and individuals from everybody else across the world were these principles that we talk about all the time, the 12 principles of highly successful leaders. The number one, the first principle as Rob pointed out is be true to character. And I cannot think of a single instance where there's been sustainable excellence in the absence of character, of honesty, and integrity. Now, there are certainly different dimensions of character, and that's what I'd like to talk about today. Someone said once, character is what happens when no one else is watching. And Shakespeare said it a long time ago, to thine own self be true and thou canst not then be false. To any man. So let's talk about character not only in our personal lives but professionally as leaders but also in teaching our children and grandchildren. Uh, let me share uh, there's different dimensions of character as we think about it. One is illustrated by Mahatma Gandhi. What a great leader he was. It literally was his moral authority based on his character that brought independence under his leadership, even though he didn't have a specific position of leadership uh, for the country of India. Uh, He was in a meeting with the uh, military and leaders of India, and they were very set on saying you'll never have independence. And he looked right back at him, and he said, you'll soon learn that a few thousand people cannot govern, 300 million people for long, and, and not violate the principle of independence and freedom and liberty. And that's exactly what happened. He advocated uh, independence through nonviolent terms. Well, by the time that they, India had received their independence, so many people wanted to gain wisdom from Mr. Gandhi. And one day a woman brought her young son and waited in line for some time. And when she got up to him, Uh, She said, Mr. Gandhi, can you please tell my son not to eat sugar? (laughs) And uh, he looked at him and was actually a little bit surprised. And then he looked right back at the woman and said, please bring your son back in a month. Well, she was taken back and there's not much she could do about it. He went on to the next person and she was very upset. She didn't understand this. And so a month later, she did return. She returned with her son and went through the same process when they got back up to Mr. Gandhi. Uh, He recognized him. And she said, Mr. Gandhi, can you tell my son not to eat sugar? And he brought the little boy close into him, gave him a hug, and then pushed him back and looked in his eyes. And he said, young man, do not eat sugar. It's not good for you. (laughs) Well, the mother was really grateful for this. And then all of a sudden she said, well, why didn't you just say that a month ago? And he said and replied, well, a month ago, I ate sugar. <laughs> In other words, there was just no way Mr. Gandhi could tell somebody else to do something that he was doing. And so he had to work through that. That is a great example. And the influence of someone that has this kind of character, especially a leader, is immense. Now, as parents and grandparents, we have the opportunity to teach character all of the time to our children and grandchildren and and the people around us. One example today I'm going to share is one that happened to Rob when he was just a young boy. Uh, He was probably about 11 years old or 12 years old at that time. And he came to me and he said, Dad, I am going to participate in the 50-20 And I just really didn't know what that was, but essentially it was 50 miles in 20 hours. And I said, great going. I I said, now, Rob, you know that as Schallenbergers, uh, if we start something, we are going to finish it. So don't start it unless you intend on completing that event. He looked right back at me He said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. So the day came, it was on a Friday, late afternoon, mid-afternoon, and 50 miles away they went. And I don't know where my head was as a parent, but I'm even a little embarrassed to say it took me a while to clue in on this. And so at about 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning, I heard a noise in our house, and I went and looked in Rob's room, and there he was in the bed. <laughs> and uh, so I woke him up, and he was exhausted, and, and he finally woke up, and I said, Rob, I said, what happened? What are you doing here? And he replied, well, one of the parents had a van, and in the middle of the night, they opened the door, and they said, anybody want to go home? <laughs> And he said, I was so tired and I'd already gone a long ways. I just decided I would. He said, so that's what happened. I looked at him and reminded him that he had said and agreed that if we start something, Schallenbergers, we're going to finish what we start. It's our word. If we say we're going to do it, we do it. See, this is the very essence of character. And so I I looked at him and I said, Rob, if you would like... How about if we go back out where you left off, and I'll finish this with you? And there was a little pause, and all of a sudden, he swung his legs around on the bed and got up, and we drove back out. My, my wife, uh, Roxanne, drove us back out to the place he had stopped, and he started again. And with time, he picked up energy. The light came, and and as we closed in on that finish line, he literally ran
1: the last mile. So you remember doing that, Rob? Oh yeah, absolutely, of course. (laughs) You don't forget that, your legs remind you of that for the next two to three days afterwards. Uh, But yeah, absolutely, an unforgettable experience uh, and a huge lesson in character. Yeah, so what was that like for you to have to get back up, go out there? Uh, You know, good question. What I really remember about that was not necessarily the getting up, but going back out and starting again. And I remember at first the legs were heavy, each step took a, a lot of effort, but like you said, it got easier and easier. We easily could have quit. Only 5% of people that started the fifty twenty 20 finished. Yeah, yikes. So I, 95% didn't, I quit. didn't know so, that one. <laughs> so I watched people quit all over, and that's, you know, that warm, comfortable-looking van sure looked enticing at 2 or 3 in the morning, <laughs> and uh, it was an incredible experience to go out there and finish, and I subsequently did it another four times after that. And it turned into an awesome tradition. So, yeah, absolutely. That was a life-changing experience. Well, there were a lot of lessons learned in that.
2: And it's not only that Rob learned that. He, he, Rob is the oldest, and he had younger brothers. His younger brothers went out and did that very same event. Now, what do you think it was like for them when they started that? They knew there's no chance that if they started that event, they weren't going to finish. And that was the standard that was, uh, that was set. Well, that's one dimension. So we learn to teach our children through these events and experiences. Let's look at another dimension. About a year and a half ago, uh, Rob and I were working with a number of companies in the country of Mauritius. Now, Mauritius is such an extraordinary country. It's 2,000 miles off the east coast of Africa. It's actually part of the African continent. And we taught nine companies in five days. Uh, Rob took part of them and I took part of them, and it was a grand experience. <clears throat> one of those companies was Taylor Smith. T- among other things, Taylor Smith is a very successful shipbuilder and think large ships. Uh, well, they build all kinds of ships, but they're one of the best in the world. And while we were working with their company, Colin Taylor, the president and CEO of their organization uh, was, was talking about this issue during our seminar. We were actually talking about being true to character and we had a part where all of the employees actually took time to think about an example in their lives when they've had to exercise character and think about the impact that it had. I'll never forget Colin's example because he offered it. He stood up and he said, I'd like to share mine. And he shared that about eight years before, that there had been an accident with a, a large ship It had run aground on a reef, and there was a tear, a large tear underneath, about 18 to 25 feet, somewhere in that range, and a wide one under the water line. And so their firm was invited to bid on doing the repair. And Colin said, this is where the character came in is that we said that we could do this for X price. We got our team together and said we can do it, and we can do it in six weeks. Well, this met the parameters of the uh, owners of the ship, and they extended to him the contract. And then they said, now, if you can't do it, let us know, because we're going to bring somebody in from South Africa that we, we know could do it. He said, I'll do it. Colin had been a new CEO was new in his responsibilities, and everything was on the line. And he said, that is where character came in. He says, because I put my name on the line, and we were going to get it done. So this is another aspect of characters. When we say we're going to do something, we do it. Now, uh, he said he saw the owner of that ship company later, the one that they had done the repair on the ship, maybe about six or seven years later, and he said, oh, by the way, Colin, I want you to know I appreciate the work that you did. You did exactly what you said you'd do, and what a reputation that creates. And he said, by the way, not only did you do it earlier than you said you'd do it, he said, but wow, you gave me such a cheap price. (laughs) And Colin was saying, oh, darn, I could have charged him more, (laughs) Well, what a great example that is. Now, Rob, you've had some experiences uh, at a lunch uh, after we gave a keynote one time with a CFO. Do you mind talking
1: about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this was a life-changing experience to hear this person that followed us at a keynote at a large university. So as you mentioned, we had just finished uh, doing our portion. We took about an hour for the keynote. And afterwards, we were sitting next to the dean of the business school at this large university. Well, as this person who followed us was giving their keynote. As he went on, our jaws dropped. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. The dean of the business school looked over and said, you could not have had a better person reinforcing what you're sharing with other people than the person speaking now. Absolutely right. So here's, here's the nutshell version of the story that he shared. This gentleman speaking was the former CFO, Chief Financial Officer of HealthSouth. Now HealthSouth is a large large healthcare company out in the southeast. They have uh, over 4 billion dollars a year in revenue. They're in 33 different states. You know, a very large organization. So this CFO, and I'll just use the term CFO rather than his name. This this CFO had a team of about 17 people at the time and this happened in the early 2000s. So basically, here's what he said happened. Early on, and it's a little bit disputable whether the CEO was involved. They said he was, he said he wasn't. Irrelevant to that is, is the principle of the story. So early on, he said that they were directed to cook the books. So what they did as a team is they started acquiring small little companies, understating the value and then overstating them on the books, thereby you know, cooking the books, making up numbers. And in his words, he said, you know what? It was really small in the beginning. No one ever would have noticed. In fact, we were audited, audited by some of the largest accounting firms and nobody saw it. Nobody noticed. And yet it went on they started making more money, (laughs) you know, things started going pretty well for them. And on the outside, his comment was, if you would have looked at us, we were living a nice lifestyle. We were driving great cars. We were living in beautiful homes. I mean, we were even going on helicopter and yacht rides. It was an amazing time. If you would have been looking at us from the outside, you would have thought life was grand. But inside, he said it was a cancer that was starting to grow inside of him. And this cancer grew and grew. And this fraud started getting bigger and bigger. Over the course of six years, this turned into a $2.7 billion fraud. He said, you know, it varied each year based on the year. But one year, they overstated the numbers by 4,700%. Can you imagine that? Yet still, nobody caught it. And during this process, his comment was, I lost my soul. I lost who I was. It got so bad in his own personal life. It ate away at him so much that his wife and two sons even left him. So now, not only does he have a cancer inside of him, he feels like he's losing his soul. Now he's just lost his family. Finally, he told us, I hit rock bottom. And so he set up a special secret meeting with the US Marshals. They met at a hotel. He told them everything that had happened. He blew the whistle. The next day this went public, the stock price went from somewhere around $30 to less than $1 a share. Can you imagine that? What if it was your life savings in that company? It lost 90% plus of its value overnight. They halted trading on it. Uh, The stock exchange wanted to delist the stock. So it was a catastrophe for the company. Well, ultimately what happened? He ended up spending 27 months in a federal prison as did his team. Uh, It was a miserable experience for him. He said, you know, I'm now a convicted felon. What do I do? He really hit rock bottom of his life. Now, to give him credit, and this is one of the things about this principle is we've all done things wrong at some point. We've all made mistakes, and here's the idea. It's never too late. Of course, it's better not to violate this principle right in the beginning. That's a hundred times better every time, but If we have, it's never too late. We should never give up. There are other people in his shoes who have committed suicide and taken their life. And that certainly crossed his mind. He said it did. But he went on. He didn't give up. And so what he decided to do is after serving his time in prison, he wanted to start making it right. So he's traveling around the world right now, and he's giving keynotes on this culture that has seeped in about how prolific it is to violate character and how it's such a common thing in the corporate world and so he's out there speaking out against violating principle number one and here's the awesome part about this story and you probably remember this and that is that his wife and two sons actually came back they got remarried and although he'll be a convicted felon the rest of his life he's starting to get his character back he's got his family back and, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me about his story was his final words. He said, I never intended for it to get this big. It was little things at first, but it was a slippery slope. And once we get onto the slippery slope, you cannot get off. And that's why in our seminars, we use the phrase, the collapse of character begins with compromise. Let me say that again, because this is so true in the cases where we've seen it happen. The collapse of character begins with compromise rarely does it ever start out as a big thing usually it's something you know little little and then it grows into something uh huge like it did with hell south 2.7 billion dollars when it was all said and done so just remember that the collapse of character begins with compromise and we're talking about in a family or a large organization so let me just share with you three brief things you can do if you're the leader do you mind if i just share these no please I think it's helpful three things you can do right now so if you're a manager a leader if you're a parent because as much as we're talking about a business and a team we're also talking about a family just as my dad mentioned on the other aspect so here's some things you can do if you're running a team to ensure that this principle is sound in your organization because I'll tell you what you oftentimes cannot assess very well this principle until it's been broken and there's a lot of stuff that's going on there's a lot of financial hurt just a brief story A friend of ours in Iowa has a small company. One of his employees got engaged to, well, not engaged, engaged with (laughs) a mid-level manager in direct violation of company policy. They started having this sexual relationship. Well, everyone knew about it, but nobody said anything. So everyone knew except our friend, the CEO. Well, as it turned out, she ended up quitting. As usually happens, this relationship went south And she filed a $1.2 million lawsuit against our friend. A sexual harassment suit. A sexual harassment lawsuit, which she won. It almost sunk that company. Think what a $1.2 million lawsuit would do to most people listening to this podcast right now. Had the culture existed there, had someone stood up and spoken out, that never would have happened. And that was the other big takeaway from that CFO. He said if someone on the team would have just stood up and spoken out early on, we all knew it was wrong yet we kept doing it and nobody stood up and spoke out so here are three things you can do right now number one lead from the top and what I mean by that is you set the example if you're the manager or if you're a leader they're gonna watch you (laughs) I mean just yesterday uh, as we were going up to a ski resort we pulled around the parking lot and my daughter said hey dad lied why didn't you just do what he did mom Yesterday he just came in, circled around and parked over there, even though he told the attendant something else. And I said, "Hold on a second, Bella, I didn't lie. That's not exactly what I said. But how did she perceive it? So what was I teaching her? And I realized in that moment, I've got to be so careful, the example that I set as a parent. And same goes with the manager. If one of your employees see you fudge a number, they see you do something at the slight end of the table, that will trickle down throughout the entire organization. And remember. The collapse of character begins with compromise. It's these small things. And you as the leader set the bar. Number two is to create the climate. What is the climate in your organization? So for example, our friend in Iowa. Hey, everyone said they're adults. They can do what they want to do. The climate should have been, you know what? That's not what we do around here. That needs to stop right now. We cannot tolerate violations of character. And when we see a violation, the climate that exists should say that doesn't happen. And we report it, we share it. We do not tolerate violations of this principle. And the third is to create the channel. So creating a 1-800 number, do you have an anonymous feedback box? What's your open door policy? Have you communicated that to your employees? Do they know exactly what to do if they see a violation of character and are, are you serious about it? Do they know you're serious about it? How would that have changed the story in Health South? Imagine that you were one of the employees in that organization and you watched 95% of your pension or IRA gone. All because a small team violated character. So I love the stories that you shared. Hopefully there's a couple of uh, nuggets in there that you can use that might be valuable to you whether we're talking about a family or an organization. The big takeaway for me on this is people are always watching. It starts with the small things and it's got to be impeccable. Never, do we violate care? Not even in the small things, because once we start there, then where do we draw the line? So any final thoughts, Dad? Anything else you want to share? Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate you sharing
2: those ideas. And that's great direction for all of us, really, to create a culture of high ethics within our organizations right from the very top. I appreciate another comment that John Huntsman shared. Leaders should not really worry greatly about occasional, occasional mistakes but they must vigilantly guard against those things that will make them feel ashamed. And this is just really what we're talking about. Now, another dimension of character sometimes really manifests itself when we have setbacks. And we can have health setbacks or the loss of a loved one. Uh, When Early in my career, I had a very significant financial setback. Uh, within a short period of time, we thought we were making money in one of the companies that, that I had, and it turned out that we had lost $4 million in a in short order of time. And not only that, we also had a large trade payables. The loans were cross-collateralized, and the bank decided to call all of the loans. Uh, I just didn't know what to do I'd wake up at two and three in the morning we had payroll coming up I didn't know how I was going to make payroll Uh, I thought this would be a public disgrace to fail in a business what would I do well this was one of the greatest opportunities of my life to really test my character what was I really made of Like I could have cut and run. I thought, well, man, if I just move to another state, it's over. (laughs) Or I can stand up to the plate and do something about it. And that's exactly what I decided to do. It took seven long years to satisfy every obligation that was on the plate. And that was one of the greatest times of my life. I'd never wish that on anyone else. But the character that it developed within me was enormous, it changed my life. Well, these are the kind of things that setbacks can cause us to go through is that we really test our character. And we can come out on top and we get down to the moorings of the things that we know are right. And this was the example by Mahatma Gandhi, George Washington, Uh, virtually every extraordinary leader that you can think of went through this type of a an adversity that tested their character and they came out on top well this is what we have the opportunity to do and one last aspect is an important part of character and that is being loyal to the absent in other words being committed to never talk about another person negatively in their absence i love that one The very fact that you make a commitment to do it allows everybody to have a high level of trust. They know they can count on you to never badmouth them or say things that they shouldn't, but to honorably, if they have an issue, take it to you. And this is a way to really demonstrate great character. Well, this has been great, Rob, talking about character here today. Uh, I love uh, Mr. Shakespeare's great comment, I want to repeat one more time, and that is, To thine own self be true, and thou canst not then
1: be false to any man. All right, well, hey, thank you. We hope that this has been beneficial to you, that you've gotten some golden nuggets that you can use with your family and your personal life, or with your team, with your business. Uh, One of the things that I actually just heard a leader do last week was in Texas teaching a seminar. And what that person did is they got books for all of their team. And they said, we'd like everyone to read this in the next 30 days, and then we're going to get together and share lessons learned. That is brilliant. They've already had some ideas and lessons learned that they're now sharing throughout their entire organization. If you're a manager or leader, that's a great idea. Go out and get the book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. Share it with your team. And then talk about each principle. How does it apply to your organization? What are some action items that you can use? And if you haven't already gone to our website, becomingyourbest.com, go there, becomingyourbest.com, put in your first name and email, and we will send you a weekly success rhythm email for each principle. It's a free tool that you can use. And then share it with your family and friends. All right. Well, hey, we sure appreciate you. Uh, We're grateful for you wherever you are in the world. Go share this. Share this with your family. Share this with your friends. Make a difference wherever it is that you're standing today. And again, we appreciate you and wish you a wonderful and terrific week.
0: And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com, and you can find all the information about the podcast right there, as well as the show notes page, where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes And leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.